Before we begin studying Torah together, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. I want to talk tonight about how Yeshua touched the unclean and he made them clean and how you and I can participate in the same kind of healing ministry. Last week and this week we read in Torah about uncleanness and how those who are clean come into contact with what's unclean. Unclean animals, unclean uh, vessels, unclean people. And we read how that uncleanness was transferred to the clean person. And the clean person became unclean. But for Yeshua, it worked in exactly the opposite direction. He came into contact with what was unclean. He did not become unclean. He made the unclean people clean. It's an amazing transformation, an incredible picture of how powerful Yeshua's ministry is, how powerful the new covenant is, and how some things actually work differently in the new covenant than they did in the Sinai covenant. Now, we'll just pick out one, one section from uh, this week's Torah portion, but last week's Torah portion has many, as does this week. You can go to Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45, and we'll read together. And by the way, uh, you can find the scriptures, both the references and the actual scriptural text that we're using online tonight on our Facebook pages. You can go to Beth Israel's Facebook page or Messianic Jewish Teachings Facebook page, or you can even go to mine, and you'll see a posting for the scriptures. Uh, Leviticus chapter 13 starting in verse 45. Everyone who has leprosy, leprosy sores, is to wear torn clothes and unbound hair, cover his upper lip, and cry, unclean, unclean. As long as he has sores, he'll be unclean. Since he's unclean, he must live where? What does your Bible say? In isolation. Another translation? He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. So for those who were unclean, the the problem of their uncleanness was not just a personal, physical problem. It wasn't just a spiritual problem. It was also connected with isolation and separation. They were removed from the normal life of the community. And people who were unclean were told that they needed, as they were moving about wherever they were, they needed to call out unclean because they were unclean. And this was like a warning. Stay away from me. Don't come near me because if you come near me, you may get what I've got. And then you'll be in trouble. And so people isolated, people stayed away. It was a a kind of quarantine, if you will, that, that was meant to protect the greater community. But then when we look in Matthew chapter eight, you can turn there. 
you'll see something. That, that for Yeshua, everything works in a completely different way. He touches the unclean, and they, be, they become clean. He doesn't become unclean. And we're going to look at some of the examples, and I want to encourage you to take notice of the ministry of, of Messiah because his pattern can work in your life too. God will bring you into contact with people who are unclean, with people who have serious spiritual issues, maybe even physical medical issues, but serious issues. And, and the Lord wants you to be able to touch those people, to impact those people so that they're transformed. Not so that you're contaminated, not so that you're ruined, but rather they are benefited from, from your contact. Instead of the uncleanness of them contaminating you, the power of God in you, Messiah in you, the hope of glory, can transform and can have an impact on those people. Everyone who's involved in the prison ministry knows how this needs to work. Because you go into a prison, isn't it true, Mike? You go into a prison, there's a lot of uncleanness there. A lot of spiritual uncleanness, a lot of uh, guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of unconfessed sin, a, a lot of trouble. And when you go to minister there, you're bringing the light and the life of the Lord into that situation and to those people. You're bringing what the scripture calls the gift of repentance that leads to life. So as that has worked in your life, it becomes powerful in affecting other people. So let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 8. We'll start in verse 1. And I want you to notice that the, the first few verses are about the man who's afflicted with leprosy. Tzara'at. And he is... Uh, He's, he's coming out of isolation to Yeshua. So let's read Matthew 8. After Yeshua had come down from the hill, large crowds followed him. And then a man afflicted with spiritual leprosy came, kneeled down in front of him and said, Sir, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now look at what Yeshua does. Yeshua reached out his hand and he touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. Do you see that boldness in Yeshua? He's not wondering, oh man, this is breaking Torah. He's not thinking like that. He's not thinking, you know what? I've got to be careful. This is an unclean man. He understands his messianic ministry the power that God has given him, the anointing that God has given him. And so he's not caught up in, in fear, nor is he going through 
old halachic Jewish legal analysis. He's simply responding to the need and the faith of the man who's coming to him. Yeshua reaches out his hand and he touched him and he said, I am willing, be cleansed. And at once he was cleansed from the leprosy. And then Yeshua said to him, see that you tell no one, but as a testimony to the people, go and let the the priest examine you and offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded. So in other words, he's telling the man, now think about the Sinai covenant. Now think about what you do. Because now I've healed you. Now you can go and offer the sacrifice. Will the sacrifice make him clean? No. Yeshua made him clean. Will going to the priest make him clean? No, Yeshua's already made him clean. And this tells you something of the power of Yeshua's uh, ministry on earth and also the controversy. If, if, if you were one of the priests in the temple system, you might be offended, thinking, who is he to do this kind of work? This is our work. He's practicing ministry without a license. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 5, as Yeshua entered Capernaum or Pharanachem, a Roman army officer came up and pleaded for help. He said, sir, my orderly, I'm reading incidentally from uh, the David Stern's complete Jewish Bible translation. Sir, my orderly is lying at home paralyzed and he's suffering terribly. Yeshua said, I will go and heal him. But the officer answered, sir, I'm unfit to have you come into my home. You see, he, he felt unworthy. He felt, in a sense, unclean. And he was saying, you can't come that close. You can't have that kind of intimate, intimacy with me. Rather, if you will only give the command, my orderly will recover. For I too am a man under authority. I have soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go. And he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. To my slave, do this, and he does it. On hearing this, Yeshua was amazed and said to the people following him, I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such trust. Moreover, I tell you that many will come from the east and from the west to take their places at the feast in the kingdom of heaven with Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Yeshua was, was expressing something that his ministry is going to have an impact that not only touches Israel, but touches nations on the east, nations on the west, really every direction. Those born for the kingdom will be thrown outside in the dark where people will wail and grind their teeth. And then Yeshua said to the office, go, let it be for you as you have believed. And his orderly, what does your Bible say? His orderly was healed at that very moment. Say this with me. Was healed at that very moment. Isn't that awesome? Yeshua's not wondering, how does all this work? 
He's not thinking through everybody's religious paradigms and what's permitted or not permitted by this denomination or this sect of Judaism or so forth. He understands as the Jewish Messiah what he's called to do. In fact, one of the hallmarks, one of the prophetic hallmarks of the promised Messiah is he would heal lepers. And he was also described, the Messiah was described as one who, who would take upon himself the penalties that others deserved. Verse 14, Yeshua went to Kepha's home. Who is Kepha? Peter. And there saw Kepha's mother-in-law sick in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and then he got sick too. He said, you know, I shouldn't have done that. She's contagious. She's got a fever. No, he touched her hand, and what happened? The fever left her. And she got up, and she began helping him. That's a great healing, isn't it? When evening came, many people held in the power of demons were brought to him. So think of it this way. Now the unclean are coming to him because other people who recognize that they need deliverance from the demonic, they're bringing these that they care for to Yeshua. They're bringing the unclean. Do you understand this? They're bringing the unclean. So I want this to be a picture for you. God will bring to you unclean people. Do you get that? If it's true for Yeshua, if it's true for Messiah, and you call yourself Messianic, it means that you're going to follow in his footsteps. You're going to be called to minister in similar ways according to similar patterns to him. So don't complain when he brings you people in that condition. That's his goal. Can you imagine Yeshua? Leper comes to him and says, you know, I'm sorry, but I don't want to catch what you got. Would he ever do something like that? No. Or would, would he say to the people who bring the demonic and the troubled, the deeply troubled to him, you know... This is not a really popular ministry. I'd rather you didn't bring these people here. I'm trying to get ahead, and this is not going to help. And I think people could be afraid of the behavior of these people. They're a little strange. So how about you go somewhere and get help Elsewhere, Can you imagine him doing that? Absolutely not. Why? Because he knew what he was called for and who he was called to. I remember once in Budapest, we'd started the congregation there. We were trying to teach a really basic lesson to the congregation, and that is what makes you a member of the congregation is not that you come and you sit in a chair. It's that you can be used by God and sent out to minister to people according to the ministries of the congregation, that you can work together. And so um, we prayed once before we were about to make a, a trip out of the country. We prayed that the Lord would send 
uh, demonic people to the congregation. (laughs) And when we came back, wouldn't you know it, several had come. And God worked through that. You see, sometimes God wants you to pray, bring me a troubled person who you want to heal, who's ready for healing. Bring them to me. So here we are, we're reading about how many people who were held in the power of demons were brought to Yeshua. This is, this is Matthew 8.16. And it says, he cast out, he expelled the spirits with a word, and he healed all of them who were ill. And this was done to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He himself took our weaknesses and he bore our diseases. Now when Yeshua saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Now that is a funny situation. This was a moment where he says, get me out of here. But a Torah teacher approached and said to him, Rabbi, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Yeshua said to him, foxes have holes, birds flying about have nests, but the Son of Man has no home of his own. Another of the Talmudim said to him, sir, first let me go and bury my father. But Yeshua replied, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. He boarded the boat and his Talmudim, his disciples followed, and then without warning a furious storm arose on the lake so that waves were sweeping over the boat. So this was a great lesson for the disciples because sometimes people get the idea, if I start following Yeshua, all my problems and all the storms of life will go away. Wrong. Sometimes (laughs) that's when they begin is when you decide to follow him. Without warning, a furious storm arose on the lake so that waves were sweeping over the boat, but Yeshua was... (sighs) sleeping, peacefully sleeping. And so they came and they roused him and they said, sir, help, we're about to die. And he said to them, why are you afraid? So little trust you have. And then he got up, he rebuked the winds and the waves and there was a dead calm. And the men were astounded and they said to each other, what kind of man is this? that even the winds and the sea obey him. Now let's look at the last passage in this chapter. When Yeshua arrived at the other side of the lake in the Gadarene territory, there came out of the burial caves. So out of the cemetery, two men controlled by demons, so violent that no one dared travel on the road. Do you get that picture? These guys were so demonized that no one even went that way It was just too scary, too much trouble. And they screamed, what do you want with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Verse 30, now some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. Now what do we know about pigs from the Torah readings earlier? They're unclean, right? Okay, so follow this story. (laughs) Yeah, follow this. So the demons begged Yeshua, if you're going to drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. Why? Unclean wants to be with unclean, right? And so Yeshua says, all right, 
go. And he told them. And they came out and they went into the pigs. Whereupon the entire herd rushed down the hillside into the lake and drowned. If you own those pigs, is this good news? <laughs> no, this is a disaster, right? You're raising these unclean animals to begin with, and now something terrible has happened. Demons have gone into your pigs, made them even more unclean than you could possibly imagine, and now the pigs have committed mass suicide. Which is wild because it, it, it indicates it's not just one, one man, one demon, one pig, one demon. It's like all this demonic stuff that had been contained in these two men filled up a herd of pigs. That's, that gives you an idea of just how bad it was for them. So the swine herds fled, they went off to the, t- the swine herdsmen fled, went off to the town and told the whole story, including what happened to the demonized men. At this, the whole town came out to meet Yeshua. And you know, they could have said, thank you, hallelujah, these poor demonized men, you know, they've had trouble all these years. I mean, we've been terrified. We don't even go near the cemetery. We don't even go near that road. And now they're free you are amazing. That's not what they said. When they saw him, they begged him, please leave this district. Don't come back. Get out of here. You make trouble for us. So, We see in this the boldness and the courage that Yeshua had. And he went into this messy, messy situation. In fact, he came into this world that's so messy. And he came in order to bring good news to the unclean, to the guilty, to the imprisoned, the oppressed, the forlorn, and to really impact them for good to bring about real transformations in their life. Not just teaching, not just words, not just doctrine, not just dogma, not just religious practice. But he brought them more than that. He brought them life where they didn't have life. And he went into dark places where there were people with real troubles, and he brought the light of God to them. Now you and I are called to bring cleansing to the unclean. In order to do that, our own hearts have to be right. You can't go to minister to the unclean when you want to do what the unclean are doing that's unclean. That won't work. So if you want to minister to alcoholics, but you go to bars to get drunk, that won't work. You've got to deal with your own issues before you can help other people deal with theirs. You've got to get your heart right. If you want to wallow in the mud with the pigs spiritually, it's better to stay away from the pigs and the mud. But Yeshua was never trying to participate in the uncleanness. He went into unclean 
situations and groups of people to overcome the uncleanness and to minister cleansing to the unclean. Antonio and I had the opportunity this last week to um, to go to a court hearing for one of the guys who's on death row who's facing execution. And it was a, it was a strange situation because he's been convicted and he is guilty of capital crimes and since he committed those crimes, he's turned to the Lord. And so our first job was to prepare him uh, for death and to, and to prepare him to meet the Lord, you know, the King of Kings, the righteous judge, and, and to confess his sin before God, not to cover up anything with the Lord, to be totally honest with the Lord and to humble themselves, himself before God. And I remember asking him about remorse. Do you have remorse for these crimes? And he said, no, I don't. And I said, well, you, if you say you believe in Yeshua and you don't have remorse, then you won't, I can't tell you that you're going to receive mercy from the Lord. You need to be prepared with remorse. Well, that remorse began to develop in him. And so... Now he's taken real action that shows repentance in his life. And he's prepared in a way he never was before to, to stand before God, to humble himself, to confess his sins, to confess his trust in the sacrifice of Yeshua that covers even those sins, and to ask for mercy after he's executed. Can you imagine but in the meantime, if you follow the news, you know that the United States Supreme Court has uh, decided that the process, certain parts of the process in Florida for the death penalty are unconstitutional. So there's a lot of revision going on. So Wayne's attorney wants him to fight against the verdict uh, where he was found guilty of a capital crime, but he knows he's guilty and he doesn't want to fight it. So this hearing was to ask the judge to dismiss the attorney so that the court appointed attorney wouldn't fight against all this. So that's a strange situation for me as a rabbi to go somewhere and to stand with someone who's ready, who is guilty and ready to face their punishment. During the hearing, each of the attorneys and then Wayne made his uh, argument. Uh, they summarized what they had presented in written argument. And there's a certain moment in the hearing when Wayne was speaking last about these things. And then he stopped making his presentation. And he, and he talked to the judge and he said to the judge, you are a fair man, and I could not have asked for a better judge. And this decision is on me because of my guilt. It's not on you. You're doing what's right. And then he talked about the time when Antonio and I went to him and talked to him about the need for remorse. And he said his first response was, I'm not remorseful. But his, 
testimony before the court was that something changed in him. And a part of him opened up and something came alive in him where he began to really have remorse for what not only the crimes he had committed, but even the generations that have been terminated because of lives being taken. And then he said that he had been sending letters of repentance to every person who he could think of who he had brought harm to repenting and asking for forgiveness. When the whole thing was over, one of the court officers came to Antonio and me and he said, this man is not the same man who was here before. He is different. Now the reason I tell you that is because When you go into prison and you're ministering to the guilty, to those who have been found guilty and those who are guilty, it's like ministering to lepers, in a sense. You already know they're unclean. Do you see what I'm saying? So with what attitude do you go? You go with the attitude of Messiah who goes into such places in order to bring his cleansing and his light knowing that it is the gift of repentance that brings life. It's not just getting your doctrine right. Repent, believe, receive forgiveness. So I want to tell you from experience, God works this way. Not just in the days of old, But he will give you the boldness, he will give you the opportunity, he will give you the courage, he will give you the faith to bring his cleansing to people who are in trouble, to people who are unclean. Don't get lost in their guilt. They are guilty. Remember what God has come to do, to cleanse the unclean. And if you're messianic, Welcome to the ministry, because you're called to do the same. I want to encourage you to do that. Open up your hearts. Can I pray for you right now? Lord, Lord, I thank you that you showed us the way that you demonstrated, because you have the heart of compassion. You are willing and you have the desire to heal. You want to bring those who are unclean out of their uncleanness into cleansing. You demonstrated it. You showed us a perfect picture. And we asked, Lord, that we could walk with you. We could follow your footsteps. We could minister to others in the same way. If we've been frustrated because of those around us who are in such a condition that uh, we thought, well, we don't want to have anything to do with them, give us power. If you want us, Lord, to minister to them, Give us faith, give us hope, give us courage, and give us power that we could see people transformed, changed, no longer the same. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to close with Aaron's blessing.
I want you to rise and if you're by yourself, you can move somewhere. Someone will move towards you. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ya'er Adonai p'navelecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai p'navelecha v'yasemlecha shalom. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom.